welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, good morning, everybody. Nice to be here. We're going to talk about the church this morning. Now, as you all know, the church really starts in the New Testament, doesn't it? No, you are not falling for my wrong answer. It actually starts in the Old Testament. There's uh, a lot of figures of the church in the in the Old Testament. So, um, but we'll go right, right, right to the end of the Bible first. The first reference, and it's one that you all know, in Revelation chapter nineteen. Revelation chapter nineteen read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. So after it's all been done, victories have been won, we read about the final culmination. After these things I heard what sounded like the roar of a huge crowd in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! The victory, the glory, the power of our God, for his judgments are true and judged. And just, he has judged the great war who corrupted the earth with her whoring. He has taken vengeance on her who has the blood of his servants on her hands. Certain time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke goes up forever. Twenty-four elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God sitting on the throne and said, Amen, Hallelujah. A voice went out from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants. You who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what sounded like the roar of a huge crowd, like the sound of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! Adonai, God of heaven's armies, has begun his reign. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory, for the time has come for the wedding of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself fine linen, bright and clean has been given her to wear. Fine linen means the righteous deeds of God's people. And the angel said to me, write down, how blessed are those who have been invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So right at the end, Revelation, there's the Jesus marrying his bride, us, the church. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful picture. That's the, that's the ultimate aim final thing. So let's go back 2,080 pages in my Bible because in the Old Testament I think there's lots of little pictures pointing forward to what's going to happen. So Adam and Eve okay, Adam um, means man Um, I take it literally, I believe there was an Adam some people think it's just a picture of mankind, whatever but God's put these specific pictures in his Bible and it says man was alone um, picture of Jesus I think and out of his side he took a rib and made woman which means taken out of man now on the cross um, they had to make the Roman soldier had to make sure that Jesus was dead if um, they took the body away and the body revived then under Roman law, I believe, the soldiers would have to take the part of the escaped prisoner. 
so they would be crucified, which was the most, it was such a horrible death, but also a shameful death, that was reading, one historian was writing in Roman times saying, they used to instruct the families never to talk about crucifixion in their home. It wasn't a subject um, even to even to talk about over the dinner table. It was such a horrible, shameful thing for escaped slaves and, and, and people like that. So on the cross, um, I don't know if you know how the Romans devised it. I don't think they invented it. They'd taken it from other people. And historians now believe, by the way, that the arms weren't like that. It was like that. So actually the word cross in my Jewish Bible I've got here is always says stake doesn't really matter but the the prisoner would die because of lack of oxygen uh, he would actually suffocate because um, the only way to get relief and, and, and get some air into his lungs was to push against his feet that had a nail through so that was excruciating he would have cramp in his legs and every so often he'd push up just to try and get a breath so it was and to make it last longer the Romans devised a little seat that was about two inches wide that he could push up, sit on the seat for a bit, get somewhere, and then slump down again. So it was devised so that the, the prisoner would torture himself, you know, for up to two days or more, you know, just hanging there in, in absolute agony. That's that's what he did for us. So when he when they came to um, at just beginning the Jewish feast, the uh, the Jewish um, leaders, the high priests, said, "Don't want a cross there during high." It's incredible that they would kill the Son of God, they would reject God who'd come to earth, and yet they were so finicky, is the word, I don't know if you know that word, about little things. Oh, no, 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 it's not holy to have uh, have the prisons there. So they used to go and break the legs, big uh, hammer or something, break the legs so that they couldn't push up and get more air, and in a few minutes they, they'd suffocate. But when it came to Jesus, they said he was already dead. They were quite surprised. Because a carpenter, probably a you know, a strong chap. So one of them, to make sure, got a spear and put it into Jesus' side. And John says, and John wasn't um, a doctor, I don't think he realised what he was saying. Out came water and blood. Now doctors tell us now that that's a sign of the heart bursting that the liquid around the heart is more water than blood. And that was very significant to John, although he didn't know what the, what the uh, biological reason for it was. He mentions that in, his, in, in John's Gospel. So out of the side of Jesus came the water and the blood, and um, out of the side the Church of Jesus is born. Now that to me shows that Genesis there is, is a picture of what's to come. You remember when Jesus was meeting the, the disciples on the way um, on the way to Emmaus and they were very very sad. Jesus had died and these two guys trudging away back to the little village outside a few miles away and this figure appears to them and says, um, can I wish to imagine him talking the local accent, what's up lads? What? Have you not heard You know about Jesus? We thought he was the big prophet or, or the messiah even and now they've killed him and he starts to talk and he, he goes right through the bible and he talks for i don't know 
an hour or more because it was um, what we call the Sabbath day's journey which is so many miles you're allowed to walk on the Sabbath so there must have been an awful lot he was talking about from the Old Testament he said he went through the Psalms he went through the prophets the history is well no doubt and he, he, he said this is all about me so whether he started in Genesis and talked, I don't know but there's a clue there's lots and lots of things in there that Jesus said were pointing to himself. Right, the next one, we'll stick to Genesis because I, I love this story. Um, yeah. And in Genesis chapter 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 24 Genesis chapter 24 It's a story that you all know. Um, Abraham called by God and he had a, um, a son called Isaac and Isaac means laughter you know that. and by now Abraham was very old advanced in years Adonai had blessed Abraham in everything um, and then he said I want you to call this servant he's the chief servant and they used to have this ritual where um, so if you're absolutely honest, you know, lots of things that when we used to do as a kids, we used to, uh, I can't remember now what we did, uh, on our honour, you know, and if you said that, there's no way you could. Uh. Anyway, in those days, they used to put the hand under the leg like that. The servant put the hand under the leg. Don't know how that, that idea started. And he said, I want to, you to promise, swear by Adonai, God of heaven and God of earth, don't choose a wife for me. From among the women around here, the Canaanites, because they are a, a dreadful lot, you know, the idolatry, the, um, the bad things that go on there. Go back to where I came from, which is sort of Iraq, Baghdad area for us now, and where my family is, and choose a wife for my son Isaac. And uh, they, make, they make these arrangements. So the servant in verse 10 took ten of his master's camels very important I remember ten, ten camels and all kinds of gifts from his master probably a few other servants as well because it would be dangerous travelling with all that um, jewels and gold and he went off to um, uh, northwest Mesopotamia sort of Iraq area and uh, towards evening they got there when the women go out to draw water he had the camels kneel down outside the city wall and uh, quick prayer like we all do with a bit of uh, we want a sign he wants a sign because there's some lovely ladies around there and uh, it's still well known actually in that area so I am told for beautiful ladies and they certainly know how they used to work out there <laughs> they certainly know how to put the makeup on anyway probably the same in those days so there's lots to choose from how do I know which one it is Lord I need a sign I need a sign okay um, when they come out to draw water I'll say to one of the girls um, lower your jug so I can drink and if she says yes and I'll water your camels as well then that's the one so that's a sign, quick sign um, can I have some water please? yes and I'll draw some for your camels that's the one, the intended one okay before he'd even finished speaking in his head uh, Rebecca 
the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. So it's one, one of the family, came out with her jug on the shoulder. She was very beautiful. She was still a virgin, never been married. She went down to the spring, filled her jug and came up. The servant, obviously, oh, wow, this, she'll do. The servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little bit of your water from your jug. Drink, my lord, she said, and immediately lowered her jug onto her arm and let him drink. And then she said, I'll draw some water for your camels until they have had their fill. Wow, that was a sign. This is the girl. Now, she's not just beautiful. She's strong. She's healthy. She is um, a good worker. How do we know? Because a camel, I believe, takes a lot of litres. And there were ten of them. So, I think so. But about the... Funny enough, about the same amount of water as we learned the other day that Jesus turned into wine. <laughs> she would have drawn. That's it, I never thought of that. That's a coincidence. About 100 gallons. Maybe other people helped, I don't know. But she was a, a, a good, strong, willing servant and gorgeous at the same time. So uh, the man gazed at her, waiting to find out whether it was done. Yeah. And immediately, because they didn't mess around in those days, there was none of this, she go dancing or stuff. He immediately took a gold nose ring weighing several grams, big thing, and put it on her nose. And two gold bracelets, massive things, yeah, weighing four ounces. Whose daughter are you? And she explained, you know, it's from the family. And then he prayed, Blessed be Adonai, God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his faithful love for my master. <coughs> so um, they went back home, and the brother was called. Laban, he appears a bit later in, in Genesis. And when uh, he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his on his sister's uh, sister's face, he wanted to know what was happening. So they um, said, "Come in, servant." And he told them the story and told them the news because they uh, no telephones. They would have uh, filled themselves up with all the all the all the good news of the family. And then they um, and then he said, "I'm not going to wait until I've said." What I'm, what I'm going to do and he relates the story to them I'm here to find a, br a bride for uh, Isaac your cousin second cousin something like that and he explains it all and they say wow that's wonderful yeah yeah we're all in favour of that let's have a feast let's have a party which we've gone for several days so the next morning the servant said right no time to go what no no it's party time no no please don't keep me um, you know, this is a, an errand for my master, Master Abraham. Well, it's very unusual, this. So they called the girl, Rebecca, will you go with the man? Yeah. No party? No. You ready to go now? Yeah. So onto the camel, they get blessed her, like, like they did in those days. Blessings were very important. And uh, off they went to the master. Now, I was reading a book a while back called The Bride, I think it was called, White Back Cover, and it was all about the church. And the guy, I can't remember the name of the guy, but it really touched me. And he said, this is a, another picture of Jesus and the church. There's Abraham. Because to me, it's like God is the best producer. Miles better than Hollywood ever produced or, or the West End. He's just brilliant at depicting things. It's not all just rules in a book. He loves to show people um, you know, what, what things are like. 
in the old days, in this probably in Germany as well, but in this country, <coughs> most people couldn't read around about 1200, 1300, 1400. So in, when you went in the church, you can still see some of them now. You see pictures on the walls of, of Adam and Eve's story, of, of all the Bible stories, so that people could see them, you know. Couldn't read, the priest was mainly talking in Latin, so they never, I never understood that, but they didn't understand it either. But the pictures were hopeful. God gives picture language to, uh, to his great, great stories. So there's God the Father sending the Holy Spirit, the servant, picture of the servant, going to find a bride for his son Isaac, picture of Jesus. So God the Father, God the Spirit, choosing a bride, which is us. Going right back, Revelation began. Wow, you know what? Beautiful, beautiful picture. And the bride's ready. Yes, I'll go. She's made herself ready. Okay, so there's two two stories from the old uh, from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Psalm 45. Let's have a look at that. I like this song. So it says that Jesus looked in the Psalms when he talked to the two disciples on his way to Emmaus. And I think probably this might, might have been one of them. Psalm 45. And it says it's a love song in my, my version. My heart is stirred by a noble theme. I address my verses to the king. And then he talks about the king being the most handsome of men. He's a warrior. Uh, may your right hand teach you awesome things your arrows are sharp uh, verse 6 7 your throne will last forever and ever you rule your kingdom with a scepter of equity God has anointed you with the oil of joy your robes are fragrant with myrrh Jesus myrrh aloes and cassia and then verse 10 at the, the daughters of kings are among your favourites. At your right stands the queen in gold from Ophir. So there's a picture. It's uh, Solomon has written the uh, has written the, the psalm. No, it's not. It's the descendants of Korah. Sorry about that. So I think Solomon wrote another one. Yeah. Um, so this is a message to the queen. This is the church. Listen, daughter, think, pay attention. Forget your own people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. He is your lord, so honour him. Uh, inside the palace, the king's daughter looks splendid. Attired in embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Now, German word for embroidery is, you know, with a needle when you make pretty pretty cloth with patterns. Embroidery, we call it. Leave it to ladies mostly. But some blokes believe are very good at it. Embroidery. Now if the, and you end up with a beautiful, beautiful garment. But if you turn it over, it doesn't look so good, you think. Just a bit of a mess. But turn it over to the right side and it's gorgeous. And our lives are very often like that. I went to see the the uh, the shack. Sunday night, very very good. And um, when the Holy Spirit lady is sorting out the garden, that word I can never remember. Fractal. Yeah, fractal. 
that really, you know, then he shows it from a distance, that's in all the patterns. And uh, he says, wow, this is a mess. And she says, yes, yes, great, isn't it? It's a great mess. And in the book, uh, Mama, Papa comes in, smiling at the mess, you know. And he says, well, what is this? He said, it's your life. Oh, we can imagine. But it's a mess. Yeah, yeah, I love a mess. I love digging, I love sorting out the mess as a Holy Spirit. And that re really blessed me. That when my life's a mess, I think, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to give up. You're the gardener, you know, you keep working. And, uh, and obviously in the picture, he deals with, she deals with the very source of all his um, unhappiness, the death of his daughter, and then the plant, the new tree there. So, um, embroidery. As I say, you look on the other side, the black side, and you think, this is a mess. But from God's side, it's beautiful. Now, if the embroidery could talk, it would say, ow, ooh, ah, oh, that needle is sharp. <laughs> yeah? Because life's like that. Okay, but all the time, God's embroidering something beautiful. So, uh, I remember reading that years and years ago. There was... Um, a Chinese Christian called Watchman Nee. Don't know if you've heard of him. And at the time of the Cultural Revolution in China, they'd already had the revolution uh, with Mao Zedong, 1948. He was a librarian, believe it or not, Mao Zedong, and somehow got got to to head up this. But years later, in the uh, in the late 60s, 70s, I think it was, because I remember I was in Poland at the time. Um, they had the the Cultural revolution and I always remember the engineer we were working with had been sent to China at the time and um, when he got to the border he went via Russia and when he got to the border the border guard was deserted because nobody was going into China they were just they just said let loose the population to deal with anything western you know smash it up uh, imprison people that have been by, by so he got to the, got to the border and he said, and the Russian guard said, "Where are you going?" He said, "China." Why? He said, "Well, got a job to do there." He said, "Don't you read the papers? Do you not know what's going in there? You know, people are dying and all sorts." No, he said it's okay, and he said he'd got this thing written out saying, "I am a friend of the Republic of uh, Communist Republic of Poland. I am here to help the Chinese people." But you know, his his stories. Anyway, one of the guys, the Christian Church, um, they tried to wipe it out, and all they did was did what the ancient Romans did by persecuting it. They made it flower and flower. That's one of the biggest churches in the world is the Chinese Church, uh, thriving to such an extent now the communist government are trying to befriend it and give them gifts and probably steer it off. But a lot of them, nope. Mao Zedong was one of the guys thrown into prison. Sorry. By Mao Zedong, his name was Watchman Nee. And he wrote a series of wonderful, wonderful books. And I remember him talking about that, the needle and the thread. And it was so ironic, ironic, that um, there he was. It looked like his life was being wasted in prison. It was like he was buried under this lot and forgotten. But God hadn't forgotten him, and somehow, you know, him as a person and his writings and the Chinese church just took off uh, because of all that. 
So there's this embroidery. The dark side is what people would see when they saw him in prison because he died there and yet never, never escaped. He used to travel around China in, a, in an old cart and every time there was a downhill he said he used to uh, switch off the ignition and glide down the hill to save pencil. <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful man, watchman me. Um, so that, that was, that's where I got that bit from. So there's the, um, the instructions to the bride. You'll be led in with gladness and joy. You'll enter the king's palace. You'll have sons to succeed your ancestors. You'll make princes in all the land. And I will make your name known through all the generations. Thus the people will praise you forever and ever. A picture of the bride and the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. So there's another one. Number three. So let's go on to what happened after Abraham and Isaac. Because the idea, God's, God's purpose, was to make himself known to the people of the earth. Now, when I was preaching the other day, I'd said that because of Adam and Eve, what they had done, they had chosen uh, not to follow God. Not necessarily not to obey him, but that was, that was part of him. But they'd distrusted him, they believe the devil's lies. Has God really said that? You know, because that's all the devil can do is so so doubts in our minds. And uh, as such, because they had turned away from God and all His beauty and love and holiness and the best way of all, they'd, they they became twisted. You know, mankind became twisted. That's the first thing that I was saying before is. They, they feared God, which God never intended. He was walking in the garden, you know, as their friend. Now they're frightened of him, and uh, he has to turn them away from, you know, this, this beautiful, beautiful place and all it, all it represented. So down through the ages, man has just got wrong ideas about God. So God now wants to reveal himself. Now he could have done that by sudden lightning and then a face appears in the sky most of them would have died of shock fear there would have been even more fear <laughs> okay fear can be a good thing when it's everything is really really bad you know um, fear of punishment fear of going to jail can be a good thing but it's uh, it's only a start it says the best thing is after you learn holy fear to realize you know how much how much god loves us so um that was his job now. How do I make myself known? So he starts off by choosing a man, Abraham. And he makes himself known to Abraham, and he talks to Abraham, and then his son Isaac and Jacob, and then he's got a family. And the idea is that they are going to represent him throughout the earth. Then this family becomes a tribe, the Israelites. And uh, it's a chosen nation. And their job, which they didn't do very well, is to show his love and his holiness. And holiness isn't a negative thing, it's a positive thing. It's God's best for us. Because uh, when I grew up in the, in the in the church, I had this wrong picture of holiness. Holiness is don't, don't do that, don't do the other. You know, avoid this, avoid that. Part of it, but only a tiny, tiny bit. Holiness is, Lord, you want the best for me. You know, I, I want your best. And... Um, so we had the job of children of Israel, or their job was to show the world. 
didn't really do it very well. Because um, they've got hold of legalistic things, rules, and, 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 and so on, which were important, but only pointing towards uh, God and, and God's love and his best for them. Because, <coughs> um, by the way, I read, I read recently um, that the definition of sin in, in um, the Greek language, the word sin means to miss the mark. So somebody was challenging someone else, well, is this sin? It was a politician. And he knew if he said that is sin, it was politically incorrect, you know, his career would end. So he just didn't answer. And I thought, if ever I meet this guy, I'd say, you should have said that the word sin means missing the mark, which is more acceptable to people. Say, no, I don't think that issue is the very best for God. You know, they have missed the mark. Not that it's sin, they're going to hell. It's not the best. They've missed the mark. How they get on to that? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so these people had to... The land where they lived, we know from, from what um, the historians find out, the archaeologists, was a disgusting place, Canaan. They would worship the fertility gods, you know, these picture of gods that they dug up, female with lots and lots of breasts. And then um, they would worship the god of Moloch, and they had to sacrifice your firstborn to the god of Moloch. And, uh, almost a picture of what's happening now in this country, you know, so much about the freedom of sex that they've forgotten, you know, the beauty of, of what it all is, and then children who are um, killed killed in the womb, you know, what, whatever you think about that, so it's almost like we've still got the two gods, the Canaanite gods, uh, I can't remember what the first one was called, but Moloch was the, the second one, so that's the environment, so um, the Israelites have to be separate from this. So that's why a lot of uh, killings and a, uh, and a lot of death, um, keeping keeping them um, keeping them separate. And as you know, we won't go through it all now. But in Exodus, where they're led out of Egypt, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, lots and lots of rules about what you should do, what you shouldn't. A lot of them are very very common sense ones. You know, not eating uh, the pig. Um, probably very safe, probably saved a lot of lives not, not eating pig in the heat that they had over there. Um, so a lot of the rules were good were good sense, but basically it was, you're a holy people, separated from God, uh, for God. And then the time comes when um, David realises that, well he thinks that God needs a house to dwell in. While they've been in the wilderness, it's been a tent. They carry the tent around, and um, that was a very, very holy thing. You weren't allowed to look inside the, inside the tent. It was where, where God's holy of holies was. And then there came the time when David said, We've "Got to build um, a house," because it's it was settled. God had given him a, an incredible kingdom, which went all the way to the river Euphrates, it wasn't just Israel, it went all the way over to uh, to over Iraq, Iran, you know, that, that sort of area, Syria, and uh, now he wants a house for God. So he makes all these plans and he goes to bring his prophet in just to check everything's alright, Nathan, Nathan's yeah, brilliant idea, yeah, 
Nathan goes back home, God speaks to him, no. Not David, he's a man of war, got blood on his hands, but his son, Solomon, will do. Um, he's the chosen one. So Nathan goes back and explains to David. David's a bit upset, oh well, my son's gonna build it. I'll, like a good dad, I'll do everything I can to help him. So he goes up to uh, Tyre, the, the uh, Tyre and Sidon, which is Lebanon now, famous for its trees. And uh, he's a friend of the king there. So they organised for logs to be cut down and floated down the uh, down the Mediterranean Sea. You know, they make giant rafts of them and bring them in. Everything's ready for Solomon. And then Solomon um, starts to build. Solomon gets the uh, gets the plans and gets gets to uh, gets to build. And he has, I think it was, I think I read 70,000 people working on this now it's very very fair and he didn't want to take them from their, their farms uh, all the time so they used to work shifts we call it um, a month working for God and then two months working um, for, their, for their own farms it's called shift work in this, in this country and um, everything's progressing well uh, but then there's an unusual unusual command by God and he said right I don't want you to be hammering away in the temple don't get don't bring no stones in and then smooth them out in the temple it's all got to be done out there in the in the in the quarry you know where the stones are where, where the stones are made so they build this wonderful wonderful temple and um, the quarry Oh, the temple is being built on a site called Mount Moriah. Now, that also plays a part in the Old Testament. Because going back to Abraham, and Abraham has this son, and he's now a teenager, not a, not a baby boy like you see in the pictures, he's a teenager. And um, Abraham says, Abraham is told by God to sacrifice, I suppose that means dedicate this son, but it involved. Isaac being killed. Now, a bit of an unusual picture because um, God had made it very, very clear that human sacrifice, like the Canaanites did, was no, no. Well, no, 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 no. And uh, so it's an unusual thing to read about that God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. So off they go to a place called Mount Moriah. And Isaac's like a teenager asking questions. Dad, uh, yeah, where are we going? We're going to make a sacrifice. Right, okay, Dad. And uh, see, so you're collecting wood on the way, and it's on it on Isaac's back because young, young, uh, fit, strapping lad. And uh, and then when he, he says, uh, "But where's the sacrifice, Dad?" You can almost see the tears running down Abraham's eyes. He says, "God will provide a sacrifice." So they come to a stone on Mount Moriah, and Isaac's probably wondering what's going on now. Dad, why are you tying me down to this big rock? Dad, what's that big knife in your hand? And at the last minute, the angels go, stop. You've done what God has asked you. Dedicated your child to God. Not just obeyed him, but the child is dedicated, is special. Okay, on Mount Moriah. 
Now the reason God did that, I'm sure this would have been in Jesus' talk on the way to uh, to Emmaus. I'm sure he would have pointed this out and said, can you not see that that is a picture, this producer, this painter of wonderful pictures, God the Father, has, has drawn a picture so that we can understand. And it's a prophetic picture pointing to the death of Jesus some hundreds of years later. And um, on Mount Moriah, there will be a sacrifice. Now we went um, to Mount Moriah, um, went to Israel. I was working in Jordan next door and uh, said to Sue, be a good chance to, uh, in the university of Israel, good chance to come over and we'll see Israel. And uh, so she, she's never been on a plane before. She took the two girls, all on November the 5th it was, the fireworks shooting up from the ground. And uh, she went on her own and I met her. But I, I was only about 15 miles away, 20 miles away in Jordan. But you couldn't go from Jordan to Israel. I had to fly to Cyprus, <laughs> hundreds under, of miles, and then fly all the way back, that sort of journey, to do a 20 mile journey that, that, that way. Anyway, one of the trips we made was to uh, to the garden, <coughs> the garden of the of the cross, and it was it was quite strange, but very very beautiful. You could see because um, there's an alternative one that when um, um, the the high church, the Catholic church, uh, get anything like that, you know, they, they want to make it holy. So to me, they spoil it. They put lots of jewelry there and shrines, and, and you can't see it as it was. So there is an alternative site, but um, lots of historians believe the one we went to was the one. Partly because up there you can see what looks like a skull. Um, and that was called the place of the skull where, where Jesus was sacrificed. See the shape of the eyes and the, and the mouth. And that was, uh, so our guide told us, was the quarry where the stones were built. So you get the picture. There's a picture of um, Jesus being sacrificed like Isaac was for us, for, for the church, on the same site as where God was um, having a, like a foretaste of the cross, the temple, uh, which is says in the New Testament is us. Um, all these pictures sort of coming together, one on, one on top of the other. And what was particularly beautiful about this site was after the Garden of Gethsemane and the um, Mount um, Mount Moriah, Golgotha, place of the skull, you go out of it, round the other side of the wall, and there is the bus station, the, the uh, Jerusalem bus station, and it's 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 strange. It's it adds to it somehow. It's like they don't not made it a big holy place miles away. It's next to the bus station. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? It's it's part of ordinary human life. You know, you can smell the diesel fumes. Yet if you go back over there, you'd never have known the bus station was there, done it so so beautifully. So all these pictures merging into one. Jesus the sacrifice, the Lamb. God, God. Uh, Abraham said to Isaac. God will provide a sacrifice, and they, they find a lamb who's got its um, or a ram with its horns caught in the in the uh, horns. Um, 
and that's the sacrifice the Lamb of God takes away <coughs> the sin of, sin of the world uh, Mount Moriah so what we got ok let's jump then to, to, the, to the New Testament and Ephesians chapter 2 because Paul would know the Old Testament back to front, inside out he would study and memorise lots and lots of this and he recognised the picture language that God was using so in, in uh, Peter's letter as well in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 21 22 it says Oh, verse 19 you, this is to non-Jewish non people you aren't foreigners and strangers on the contrary you are fellow citizens with God's people you are members of God's family you have been built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles with the cornerstone of the building being Jesus the Messiah himself in union with him the whole building is held together and it's growing into a holy temple in union with the Lord. You yourselves are being built together into a spiritual dwelling place for God. Now what David wanted and God wanted was a place where God could dwell among his people, where people could come and make their sacrifices, which were all pointing forward. They were just a sign of, of what Jesus was going to do uh, years, years later. Um, a place where God would dwell with man and this was famous, became famous probably throughout the world this temple, Solomon's temple, most beautiful thing, it had the cedar work all the way around gold all over the place, gold and silver you know, great big angels um, models of angels at the back covered in gold worth an absolute fortune because they wanted the very very best to show that man and God were meeting together but even then you see only the high priest could go in the holy of holies and um, somebody was telling us that he would go in with a rope tied around his ankle so that if he had a heart attack while he was there he could pull him out again without anybody else having to go in and uh, and fetch the, fetch the body out such was you know the holy holies and he had to make sacrifice after sacrifice and washing to be allowed into the holy of holies but of course when Jesus died it says that the curtain which was inches centimetres thick the curtain which would separate the people from the holy of holies there was an earthquake and then the curtain just split down the middle no wonder there's a lovely little verse in the New Testament I love and it says in Acts and a great number of the priests believed I think that's such a wonderful sign that it was, it was all true they knew you see the priests knew what was going on they knew the bribe that had been given to the, uh, to the guards to say Jesus' body was stolen away they knew all about the trial that it was illegal really because it was at dead of night and <clears throat> they'd not got the full quote of, of people there they knew all that was going on all the background stories to hush it up you know 
and they saw or they would know about the curtain being split. So a great number of priests, we believe, you know, the evidence was so was so strong. Um, so it Paul says that we are now the temple. We are now the dwelling place of God on earth. We're now here to um, do what God wanted the Israelite people to do. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.